Yo MTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code YO5 to get 5% off your next order. Yo MTG Taps is also sponsored by CardHoarder.com, our go-to source for Magic Online singles. Be sure to check out the Card Hoarder Loan Program, a flexible, affordable way to play many decks online. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco and I'm Big Head Joe. We have got our spoilers to talk about. We got the whole Throne of Eldraine spoiler up, and I'm really yes, excited. We do. I love it. Yeah, so the, the, the full spoilers out, and that's going to be the episode this week. Just all Throne of Eldraine, um, and uh, basically we picked a bunch of cards that we that are maybe our favorite cards maybe cards we think are going to be strong cards we just had something we wanted to say about so um i, I think that kind of that there's no real we're not ranking them they're not necessarily a top 10 in fact i have more than 10 quite a few more than 10 but yeah, yeah just some, some things we want to talk about <laughs> but we're going to try to not like dwell on any one card too terribly long so we can actually make it through our lists yes uh, exactly yeah uh but one thing i wanted to say before we actually get into this is that sure. we mentioned in the last episode that uh we were coming up on our 10th anniversary um which we're pretty much in the throes of i guess you know like uh right Next week, I guess, or whatever would be, or two weeks from now, right, would be the 10-year anniversary of when we released the first episode. We're not really going to do any sort of thing to pat ourselves on the back for that, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to say, Joey, it's been awesome doing this show with you all these years, and uh, thanks for putting up with me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, likewise. (laughs) Um, I mean, we started this show on kind of a whim. I think it was like... I listened to podcasts back then, and I was like, it would be fun to do a podcast. And I think you and I, I listened somehow, to like Monday Night like, Magic and Mana Pool and uh, yeah. Magic Sock. So I definitely was, I was listening to some as well. You know what I mean? I think we were listening to different ones. Yeah. Um, well, it was, I think we were, I was listening to some of those as well too. But yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of a whim. We weren't like, hey, let's. This is going to be this thing. It was like, hey, let's do this and see what happens. And I don't think we ever expected to still be doing it 10 years later, even though we did stop. But, yeah. you know, the fact that here we are 10 years later and we're recording Yo! MTG Taps still and, uh, you know, the the ride that it's taken us on has been just incredible and unbelievable wow. in a lot of ways. Like, I swear I've said, you know, asked myself, am I awake so many times <laughs> over the past <laughs> 10 years, you know? Um, Wouldn't it's that like, be terrible? Yeah, well, it'll be a good you dream. You wake up anyway. to me calling you from uh, over um, by Greenville Avenue, like, "Hey, man, uh, you want to go to the book thing?" You're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I thought we were going to record this first episode of this podcast. It's like, no, well, what podcast? Let's go to the book yeah. thing and get some books. Um, no, it good. really Let's happened. It all happened. 
<laughs> yeah, at least it's at least it seems to have happened, and, unless this is all yeah a, a, share, taking, a mutual mutual dream or something. There, there are several people in my uh, fantastic archaeology class uh, doing research papers on uh, what if all of this is a simulation. So, um, you good know. simulation. I'm liking it. Yeah, I'm no. digging it. So if, if it is a, stim, a simulation, I'm staying jacked in. So right on, rock and All right, roll. So, so, so let's uh, yeah, let's get into the throne of Eldraine now. So uh, you want to start because I think you already have a start card. You want to talk about? Yes, I have a card, and then I just have like kind of an overreaching deck. I wanted to at least briefly discuss in general before we get into mm-hmm. actual cards. So cool. First thing I wanted to mention is fabled passage and. If you're in our um, Discord chat, you know what I'm talking about here. I'm, I have been just obsessing over this card. <laughs> Which um, is weird because it's Evolving Wilds, or more appropriately, Terramorphic Expanse. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's Terramorphic Expanse that can potentially be um, pay zero life fetch land if you already have three other lands out. Right, right. You know, so... Um, yeah, with ups, it definitely has upside, but it's not, like, the most exciting card, but it's crazy that it's gotten so much sort of discussion. Um, and, you know, you're, you're talking about this being a big topic of a discussion in our Discord, and that's that's right. It's, like, it's crazy. It's a it's a land, yeah. <laughs> but it matters. So go, go ahead, go ahead. It does. So um, the, the card, I'll just read it real quick for anyone who hasn't really looked at the uh, spoiler much. Fabled Passage says, um, you know, it's just a land, comes into play untapped, it's a rare. Sacrifice Fabled Passage, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Then, if you control... Wait, 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 wait. At that point, that's Evolving Wilds and Terramorphic Expanse. At that point, like, that's where the the similarity... Literally word for word, yes. Exactly. Both of those cards are are functionally identical, and now Fabled Passage, up until that that sentence... uh, is it's functionally identical. So go, go ahead. Then it says, uh, sorry, that was redundant. Then if you control four or more lands, untap that land. So you, you know, you wind up with uh, basically a better fetch land. Um, sure. It's not Fable Passage's fault that I'm talking about it so much. Fable Passage is just fine. Like it's not the best card. It's our mana after rotation's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Our mana Absolutely. after rotation kind of sucks. Um, you know, we're losing the um, the check lands, I guess is what they call them. Um, yeah, the buddy lands or, you know, gl- I, I, Glacial Fortress and Drowned Catacombs and all that. I prefer Kalachis, but hey. Um, and uh, we're losing those. We already have temples, which come into play tapped. You know, they're decent, but there's also they're also only uh, the enemy temples. Exactly. So we don't have a full cycle of temples to use. We still have our shock lands, uh, which aren't going anywhere. And that's it. Right. Like, there, like, other than that, you've got, like, the crappy gain of life lands and the gates. Right. You know? Guild gates. I mean, it's like, it's mana fixing, but it's like, you know, playing behind curve is not ideal. No, not at all. So essentially, if you want to play uh, more than two colors in uh, this standard after rotation, you pretty much need four Fable Passages. I'd and, argue that even if you want to play more than one color, you need four Fable Passages. I think uh, especially, so too. Especially if, if they're allied colors, because like pretend you want to play blue-white. You've got Hallowed Fountain. That's it. Right? <laughs> like, that's it. And right. Islands and Plains and Azorius Guildgate. Like, that's it. Like, you don't have any real, you know... 
competitive. They do still keep the when it comes into play tapped gain of life lands, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think so. So I think those you know, are strictly are... better than the gates if you're not running anything that gate where gates matter. You know, right? Gaining so little... I mean, it comes into play tapped lands. I'm kind of dismissing those because sure. yes, you have them, but they're not really something that you want. You, you might have to use them, but I think Fabled Passage is going to you know be the card you pick before those because of the likelihood of it coming into play untapped. Um, uh, so. Yeah, I think if you want to play blue white, like I am certainly looking to do, if there's any possibility, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, you get Hallowed Fountain and you get Fabled Passage, and you are probably going to supplement that with some Guild Gate, you know, Azorius Guild Gate or whatever uh, other comes into play tap lands that might you might feel comfortable slipping in somewhere, you know, like, but not many. It's, it's really very few, and so if you're enemy color, you do get the temples, like you mentioned. So I think that's. Maybe you don't need if you're playing blue red, you might not need Fabled Passage, but you probably will time, still run it though. You still could run it because it's like it's mana fixing. Like it's gonna you need two colors and it, you may as well. So um, I think no, you're good. You're good. Every, I think every single deck list when you you know you open up Notepad or whatever you use to write up deck lists. Uh, if your deck's going to be more than one color, I think you're going to start with. For Fabled Passage, for Shockland, if you're enemy colors, for enemy uh, Scryland, you know, and I think that's where we're at. And uh, so I, so I, you know, I saw this card uh, preview at ten bucks, and like, uh, cool stuff hadn't uh, posted it yet, and I couldn't wait. I just went and bought it from Star City. I was like, I can't wait. I'm afraid this card is going to uh, jump in price and just be gone because everyone needs them. If you don't realize you need them yet, hopefully you realize by the end of this sentence that you need to get yourself four Fable Passages. If, so, you play, if you play Paper Standard, you need them. Like That's basically what it comes down to. 100%. So... So if you play technically, if you play standard, you need them, but you don't really pre-order cards on Moto or Arena. So, like, but you will need them on Arena and and on if you're playing Moto uh, standard, then you'll need them as well. So if you play standard, you need them, but yeah, you need to pre-order them or you need to get paper copies if you play paper standard. Now it's worse than Prismatic Vista in Modern, so okay. that's why I haven't bought them because I kind of feel like there's very little chance I'm going to be playing this in Modern. Because I don't even play four prismatic vistas. Like if you know the fabled passage would be when I need a fifth prismatic vista. Like <laughs> that's right. kind of like unlikely. So um, although I know I know you, and I know you'll eventually, even if you don't think you're going to play much paper magic, I know you're going to eventually build a paper deck anyway. So yeah. Uh, then you're going to wind up needing four of them because you're going to build blue white probably because right you, you you may be right but I'm trying to gamble on that I'm taking a gamble there and saying I will play standard only online <laughs> right so. and and on arena they cost one rare wild card a piece just like every yes. other rare which is pretty awesome you know yeah that we don't have to worry about that so much on arena uh, but I got mine pre-ordered so they'll be coming get yours pre-ordered too because you're all going to need them. I'm not talking to you, Joey. I'm talking about the listeners. Everybody else. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's what I got first of all. And then, I, like I said, I just want to talk about one more kind of general thing is knights. Mm-hmm. Because knights are obviously going to be a big deal mm-hmm. in this set. I mean, they're sure trying. You know what I mean? Sure, like, Wizards wants them to be, I think. Yeah. But what does this deck look like? 
You know, like, that's kind of where we're at. Like, Ryan believes, Ryan Germore, uh, long-time listener, uh, believes that the deck is going to be red-white with a splash uh-huh. of black. But uh-huh. I don't know. I'm really looking at some of the Black Knights, and I think that they're pretty legit. Black Knight uh, is in this set? If it was, it would be a four <laughs> of in your deck. Um, it would be very good, and you couldn't target it with uh, Teferi either. Um, there you go. So too bad it's not in the set. Maybe it'll be in 2021, and we can go nuts for a couple months. Um, but we've got tournament grounds for fixing, which is like, uh, again, if you're playing three colors and you're playing strictly knights, tournament <laughs> grounds is a little better than Fable Passage, and maybe that deck wouldn't run Fable Passage either. Um but the tournament grounds, if we didn't talk about it, you can tap it for colorless, or you can tap it for red, white, or black, and you can spend the mana to cast a knight or equipment spell, which I actually didn't even realize until I read it just now. <laughs> so You know what? Neither did I. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> equipment, too. I mean, so, I kinda, I'm sure I read it once, just forgot about that part. Right. But now you can tap you, you can tap it for colorless, you know, to cast anything. Yeah. So it's not, like, dead if you don't have knights or equipment. Right. But it's not fixing. Um and that's an uncommon. So that'll be, that won't be hard to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the rest of this deck goes, I'm just not sure. Like, I don't see anything that's like that stands out. I mean, I, obviously there are a lot of there are a lot of cards. I don't quite get the hierarchy yet. You know what I mean? Sure. And we'll see what the good brewers do with it and 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 what they build. Um, but I did want to point out one thing. Well, first of all, do we have any cards in standard that make knight tokens? I know we have the um, history of Benalia that's rotating, so we right. don't have that. Yeah. Um, and I was—I didn't look into it too deep, but the first card that came to mind was Finale of Glory. And I was like, why is nobody talking about Finale of Glory? And I went and looked it up. It makes two twos with Vigilance. All right. You know, that's what and most of the— knights? No, they're soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Yep, I know. I was like, oh, and I and then I figured out. I was like, well, why did they do that? And I'm like, oh, because we already had history in standard, and they probably knew they were about to uh, do knights pretty hardcore with this set. So they were like, right. okay, they can't be knights. So why give them? Why make them too too vigilance? Why make me even get excited for a second? That wasn't fair. Um, so yeah, they're, they're soldiers. So that doesn't work. Um, do you have any? Oh, oh, the other thing I want to point out was that there are also green white knights too. Like um, Knight I of Autumn is the first one that's that popped into my head. That was the first one popped in my head too, but I couldn't think of a name. So yeah. <laughs> yes, stuff like Knight of Autumn. I don't know if that's going to be relevant because it's green white and it doesn't play well with tournament grounds unless you're using I it mean, for the white. You- yeah, you could use it for the white anyway. Sure. Or you could play Naya Knights or something. I, I mean, that sounds ridiculous because mana is so bad. But, but you is, know, it is. I'm trying to figure out a way to do this, you know. Um, and, well, let's see. So, red. we have the, the red-green temple, right? And No, we don't. You get, oh, wait a minute. I wait, have the yeah, red-green sorry. temple because I pre-ordered it before I realized yeah, it was no, no, only sorry. enemy temples. Right, right. No, red-green is ally. <laughs> sorry. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. What are the enemy colors here? So, so uh, green-white are allies. And, yeah, so that's just all a bunch of allied colors. Uh, red-white is where we get – where we have the temple. That's the that's the enemy color pairing I was looking for. So we have – we can play the red-white temple and tournament grounds which is just basically another red-white temple. Uh, so you don't – I don't think Nyanites is a thing. Uh, Probably not. But yeah. it's important to note that 
there are knights in other colors besides yes. Mardu. You know, there are green knights. Uh, there are probably no green knights, but there are green white knights. Right. Something to consider when you're looking at building decks. Do you have any other thoughts on knights at all? No, honestly, I they don't look interesting to me. I mean, they're not really my not style of deck. So. Like, not to me either. And I'm like, that feels weird. With yeah, 30... I was kind of expecting them to, to push something else, right? So it's like, oh, okay, we got tournament grounds. I think I think they kind of uh, previewed that one relatively early, and so it was like, okay, cool. So knights are a thing. What are the other ones? You know, what are the other maybe... Triland sets? Yeah, right, none. right. <laughs> They're going to be fairies or you know elves, something, right? Like so you kind of figured right. there was going to be another one, but there isn't. So I think when I saw that, I was expecting more. But um, but hey, this set is awesome. I, I mean, oh yeah, to... no, let's not let's not make it sound like we're dissing this set i am pumped for this set this set has some of the most gorgeous artwork i've seen um it's just got this really strong nostalgia feel this is something that uh ryan and i were talking about the other day uh was about you know he said like you know i don't i think somebody had asked i think it was saffron olive had actually asked Mm -hmm. on uh twitter or something like or on a stream rather uh because ryan doesn't look at twitter um like what set would you have them bring back if you were in charge and you could have them bring any set back? Mm-hmm. What would it be? And for him, he said Amonkhet, and I was surprised by that answer. I'm like Amonkhet, really? Like I don't care about Amonkhet. You know what I mean? Like at right. all. But he said that like you know he really likes uh, the mythology of it, and I think he's like read a lot of the lore. And for me, the answer is Torment, and it, and I feel like there's like. A correlation there because right. I've read every book of the Torment block and yeah. I was really into the flavor of the set and I feel like the more nostalgia you have for the flavor the more you you know feel attached to a set like you know Absolutely. the more of an emotional connection you have and this set despite being on a totally different plane has so much like built in nostalgia because right. it, it's, it's just all it, these it fairy tales like, and stuff yeah it completely resonates. Like that's the word that keeps popping into my brain. Like yes. this set resonates, and you know, and, and I think it resonates across the board with a lot of people because it's kind of uh, in the public consciousness. To, to t- you know, you mentioned Cinderella or Little Red Riding Hood or you know all, all these uh, Jack and Jack and the Beanstalk and Hansel and Gretel. All any any of these like people know what this stuff is. So when you show them a card that's like you know glass casket. And you, somebody looks at it without even reading it can probably figure out that it's a reference to Snow White. And, it, you know, as long as they know that. And, uh, you know, I show them a card called Charming Prince, you know, and it's just like it, are, it resonates with people who don't play the game. And that's that's great. And Brilliant I, on their part yeah. from a marketing standpoint, trying to launch their, you know, launching arena for one, like finally launching it officially with this set. Yeah. Pretty I mean, this brilliant. Is, this is fantastic. Like, I, I mean, I. I don't want to say it because I don't like to kind of make this uh, kind of declaration in general, especially before I've played with the set. But it feels like this is potentially my favorite set ever. Um, It looks like right now my favorite set is Time Spiral. Like that was my favorite set. And it had a lot to do with the fact that it resonated with me because I'm a magic player and I had been a magic player for 11 years by the time 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 Spiral came out. So every card was a reference to something I knew and it was all familiar to me. And that's exactly what we have here, except this reaches back to my childhood where like I was obsessed as a kid with Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater. Like that was something I think it started in like 1982. Uh, I was born in 1980, so I, I wasn't watching it 
at that age, you know, 1982, but I was watching it pretty shortly thereafter. And so like, I, I bought the whole DVD set like 10 years ago because they released it. And Oh, that's I've, so cool. I didn't know I, that. Yeah, like, so I've watched them since. And, you know, watching them with adult eyes, you see how, like, terrible it is. But when you watch those <laughs> when you're little, I mean, it's not terrible, like, completely terrible. It's a fairy tale. So, like, what do you expect out of it? Right, uh, it's not right. going to look like uh, something produced in, in 2019. But, um, you know, there are it's it's cheesy in a lot of ways but it's still my favorite fairy tale series on video like i i prefer it to anything i've seen on disney um and i don't know why that is but maybe it's just because of my own nostalgia reasons but fairy tales have always been something i've i've loved so Mm -hmm. uh so this set is like already right up my alley just because of that and so that's it's got that sort of um going for it in terms of where it falls on my personal scale of what sets I love and this I don't need to play with it to know that I love it uh, right. already without even playing with the cards. Uh, I just this I love it. So I mean, maybe we should jump into more cards that we're never getting through. Yeah, <laughs> our no list, doubt. But if you Go have anything it. else you wanted to add, you can. Give me your give me your first card. Okay. Yeah. Again, this is no particular order, and I'm just going through. I think the way I printed these are uh, Wooberg order. You know what? Let me start with lands because I want to make sure I have time to discuss cool. these Do lands. It. Do so it. I'll. I'll kick things off right now with castle vantress and this whole cycle in general so i'm going to mention castle vantress i'll read it uh it's a rare land enters the battlefield tapped unless you control an island which you you will which yeah we'll get to that uh (laughs) you always will you tap it to add a blue uh and you can pay two colorless and two blue and tap it to scry two so um the other lands in this cycle all have the same uh, same sort of quote-unquote drawback. They enter the battlefield tap unless you control a plains, mountain, forest, swamp, whatever. And they all have a, a different ability tacked onto them. Of course, I'm excited about the blue one first. And um, I think it's really fascinating how split people are on these cards. Uh, that's the most striking thing uh, that I think has in this entire preview season is that people aren't really understanding why this is good like they're i don't know how they're evaluating these cards like they're looking at the effect and going well that's not that great of an effect but it's on a land right it's on a land that doesn't come into play tapped if you build your deck correctly it's not going to come into play tapped most of the time so what is the drawback there's like so little drawback there's so little opportunity cost anyone who's not putting these in the decks that match their colors uh like, what are you putting in its place? That's what I want to know. Like, if you're playing blue, what are you what, what are you playing in place of Cast, Castle Vandress that is apparently stronger? Like, <laughs> basic island? island? Right. That's what I mean. Basic island? I mean, what are you saying? Like, well, I can either run three hallowed fountains and a Castle Vandress or four hallowed fountains. I'm going to play four. You know, like, it's <laughs> like, what are you playing in its place? Are you really that stuck on not uh you know on on lands like i don't have enough room for castle vantress like it's literally island with upside well okay not literally it's almost <laughs> island with upside uh in most cases and the drawback is uh or the cost let me say is the same as glacial fortress or drowned catacombs which we all had no problem throwing those in our decks you right. know like that these are rotating now and this kind of takes that slot um I think uh, Chaz Andres on um, 
on Star City's his article today, it's Monday, um, his finance review. I liked his his review of Castle Vantress. He said, only get this if you think people are going to play or this card's only good if you think people are going to play blue cards in standard over the next couple of years. So if you think they'll play blue cards, then Castle Vantress is good. Like, <laughs> it's, it, and right now these cards are like pre-ordering for somewhere between two and three dollars mostly. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think they're they're just hands down. You throw them in your deck. Um, right. Let me let me ask you. Uh, this was I hadn't thought about. I thought about this the other day. So I'm trying to remember how I put it. But if I told you you could get it uh, starting with turn five every turn cycle. So your turn and your opponent's turn every turn cycle. You get a free preordain as long as you don't cast any spells during that turn cycle. Uh, and you have to skip your draw step if you choose to, to get the preordain effect like free preordain every turn if you want it. If you haven't cast any spells, that's essentially what Castle Vantress is. Right. <laughs> like you pass the turn and turn five leaving your mana up uh, and your opponent, if they don't do anything that you want to cast any spells, well, I'm going to scry two and draw a card because that's your draw step, right? I'm going to scry right, two, right. then my draw, at the end of your turn, scry two, then on my draw step, I draw a card. Now, I know that's a weird stretch of way of looking at it, but essentially that's what's happening when you activate Castle Ventress at the end of your opponent's turn, assuming there's they have no response to it, which they could, and that is a, you know, a possibility. Uh, they could also respond to casting preordain, and if you're casting that at the end of their turn, you apparently activated Teferi, uh, and also you're not playing modern, but <laughs> um, <laughs> or standard for for that matter. Um, but preordain is banned in modern. This is essentially giving you a preordain preordain effect every turn if you want it. Uh, once you've got the mana for it, and I mean, I know that's like I'm looking at the upside way too much but the downside is so minimal there's nothing to look at <laughs> yes absolutely so I, you gotta learn to reach up there and grab it yes exactly so uh i'll 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 move on this is this kind of applies to all the lands and i think um you know i really i really like the entire cycle i'm most excited about the blue ones because it's the most likely one that i'm going to play i do like castle ardenvale as a possibility in blue white that might be a stretch i don't know because there are not a lot of planes in blue white and modern so i really don't think that's as likely um but i grabbed a copy or two i think two just in case um castle garen brig i think is definitely going into the primeval titan decks because mm -hmm. it it gets you to primeval titan uh a turn sooner like i think that's kind of the way of looking at it i think a lot of people uh are comparing Castle Garenbrig to Temple of the False God, which is like uh, from Scourge, and I think yeah. it just added it adds two colorless, but only if you control what like four other lands or something, um, or five other lands. I something can't remember. Like that, yeah. it's, it's been a long time since I played right. Temple of the False God, but uh, but that was a playable card in Standard, and essentially Castle Garenbrig, which the effect is uh, you you pay two colorless, two green, and tap it to add six green. Uh, spend this mana only to cast creature spells or activate abilities of creatures. But essentially, if this is your fifth land uh, and you tap it all, you can you have six mana for a primeval titan. Uh, that's not really the likely scenario in modern because you're going to have you're going to have this earlier. You're going to have it with uh, with the Karoo lands, uh, and and you're going to have your you're going to be able to activate castle garen brig much earlier than than turn five um but that's that's the other one i think i'm I've, i see a an immediate home for 
Um, Castle Embereth is the red one, and it gives your creatures plus one, plus zero until end of turn for three three mana. Uh, that's going to see play in basically any aggressive red deck. Castle Lockdwayne is the black one, and for three mana, it's a black, black one. You tap it to draw a card, then lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. Um, this is that incredible. one might be the worst one. I think it's incredible. It might, I mean, it might be the worst one, but it's incredible. In the decks that want this are are like aggressive decks that are emptying their hands so that they can that's mitigate true. that drawback, right? And that's the decks, worst drawback for sure. I mean, like that's like it's potentially the worst drawback, but also you, you get to draw a card, so it's draw a card on a land, right? But, I mean, draw that's, a card, lose a life. If that's it, got if a high, that's a pretty high upside, right? It's and and I think like Mike was saying it on top level podcast. Uh, he he's like. No one said you had to activate it. Like you, you right. got seven cards in hand. You're like, oh, I'll tap it, draw a card. I've got eight cards. I'll lose eight. Like what? How, this is cards terrible. Like no one forces you to activate it. It's not. not at it's all. like a, a Phyrexian arena forced you to draw a card and lose a life every turn. If it's bad to lose a life, don't do it. <laughs> like, you're in that <laughs> scenario. But in a lot of cases, like this goes great into some kind of like Rakdos deck. Um, that th- these aggressive Rakdos decks that are trying to to just dump a ton of ton of uh, creatures and damage sources onto the board and what is the downfall of playing those kinds of deck it's that you run out of steam so when you're down to one or two cards in hand activating castle Lockdwayne is exactly what you want to be doing you know so mm-hmm. I, I see it perfectly in those decks um sorry that was my that, that was the probably the the group of cards that I had the most to say about. So I wanted to start with it before we ended up losing it to the, Oh crap, we don't have any more time. Right. For sure. Uh, and would you start with, is you start with fabled passage and search up your islands. And then next turn you can play castle Vantures untapped. That works. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So I love it. That's great. Uh, it's, it's a great, uh, assessment of those lands and gives me a good perspective on them too. Cause I hadn't really, I hadn't thought about them too much. I just assumed they're pretty good. I didn't think anything like, I didn't think they were especially bad or, or good, but, um, but now I think they're pretty good. So, I mean, again, no downside and they have an, an optional spell effect on them. So again, what are you pay, What are you putting in their place? What are you playing over these lands? Because the, the opportunity cost is so low. Right. Absolutely. Um, um, your turn. Yes. So uh, the first card I've got is Realm Cloaked Giant. Ooh, this one's uh, on my list too. Yeah, so we can talk about that. So Realm Cloaked Giant also has an adventure on it called Cast Off. And um, Realm Cloaked Giant's... Uh, it's not loading. There I have go. it in front of me if you'd like me to read it. I- I've got it. Okay. Uh, so Cast Off is uh, two white and three. It's a sorcery adventure. Destroy all non-giant creatures. And um, then Adventure Works, like Adventure Works, it's exiled. You can pay seven and cast Realm Cloak Giant, which is a 7-7 seven, seven Vigilance. Pretty sweet, and the picture's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's like That's a really... giant, like, lifting up basically soil and grass and things falling off of it. And Literally I'm... wearing the realm as a cloak, yes. and it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So... This card is an awesome sweeper for like blue white control, um, mm-hmm. because I mean, and it's a finisher all in one card, you know, exactly. which, which is really cool because you know that's the one problem I always have like building control decks is I hate the sort of dirtily control decks that feel like they don't have a finisher or any way to actually end the game, right? Um, and this is like, hey, you know what you really want in a control deck? Sweepers. You know what you can't find slots for? 
finishers. Guess what? Yeah, <laughs> we exactly. solved that problem. We put them both on one card, and there is literally no reason for you to not run four of this card. There's no downside to it if you're running control. If that's your end game, there's no reason to not run four because it's non-giant creatures. You just go have a seven-seven sweep the board anyway. You know, like who cares? Because my giant lives, and then you have an empty board. Seven, you. You know. Right. Well, the only, only reason I can think of is maybe curve considerations because you, if you count it as five, that's a, that's I think how you would count it. Like it's it's a five drop because that's the that's what you want it for first is the sweeper. For sure. The finisher is sort of like the the bonus you get, and um, and you hope to to live through that, which is why you have the sweeper. But generally, I would say um, that's the only reason you wouldn't want to run four is if you need to kind of slim your curve down a little bit. But I could definitely I- see two to three in a in a control deck. I get that. I, I would run four because I'm weird like that. Um, but also nothing makes someone more like no, nothing makes someone matter than when you cast a sweeper and then they reestablish their board and then you cast another sweeper like nothing sure. makes anyone matter than that. So I'm just kind of like, well, you know, and then on top of that, you, my creature survives like, all right. I feel like it's a, a great I mean, I think you top a deck off. I don't know what goes above this. In, like, a right. control deck, but I feel like this is the top of your curve, and why not, if you're going to top your curve off at it, just run four of them. Um, yeah, a couple of couple of downsides to it is it's a 7-7 seven, seven Vigilance, which, you know, that's not really evasion. It's great to protect yourself, because if they start reestablishing their board, you've got an untapped 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, right. But the fact that, uh, and, and hopefully you clearing the board is enough evasion. <laughs> but, right. Uh, but once they start putting things... Uh, back on board and they can just block it like chump block it then you're kind of like well i hope i you know hope i draw my draw other another sweeper. Giant. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which like i said if you run four you might but yeah. uh <laughs> but I mean, that's I a quick get... way of ending the game i'll just have two seven sevens now um, yeah. but yeah i really love just the adventure mechanic i don't think i quite understood it or hadn't like wrapped my head around it last time we talked i, I can't remember um but just essentially looking at these as spells that then have a creature, you know, draw a card and it's a creature. Every every spell seems like a cantrip that draws a creature. Like, that is mm-hmm. such a crazy mechanic, and I really kind of feel like we don't have a... It might even be better than I think, and I think it's excellent. I've been thinking um, the same thing. Like, I feel like there is going to be a deck that's just full of these, because essentially you're running... 120 card deck or whatever you know what i mean like you're running like twice the number of spells um for free you know what i mean like so you have just all these different options and we all know better options is better you know more more and better options you know card advantage exactly two cards on one is always good so card card adventures card Um. adventures yes (laughs) Yeah, just the versatility is incredible. And I guess uh, to kind of piggyback off of that point, the next card that I was going to talk about is somewhere on my pages here. Sorry, and I've, got I've, no- I've got nothing else in white, by the way. So okay. so floor is yours for white. Okay, well, I'm, I'm actually just jumping around. I'm not even sticking with colors now because whatever. <sighs> uh, because what I want to bring up now is Once Upon a Time. We, okay. have to, we have to put this near the beginning of the show. It doesn't make sense near the end. Um, but once upon a time... <laughs> Let's start with happily ever after and end with once upon a time. Happily ever after is not on my list. It's <laughs> not mine either. I'm just saying like, it'd be, it'd be backwards to start with happily ever after and end with once upon a time. But, okay, so once upon a time 
if you if you haven't heard it uh, or if you you don't know what the card does, it's a rare instant for a green and one. If this spell is the first spell you've cast to this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, so it's a free spell. Um, and I think we – did we touch on this briefly last episode? Because I feel like I remember saying, like, if it's free, it's me or something. And I was – you know, that's the <laughs> – Brian Gottlieb uh, says that a lot on, on Arena Decklist podcast. That's where I got that from. But uh, – but I feel like we may have discussed it, and I, it's been discussed a ton. But I sure. at least want to touch on it because I feel like um, there's a lot of hype, and then there's a lot of like reverse hype. Of people saying, "Oh, it's terrible," you know, who who want not terrible, but it's really not that good. It's not worth all the hype, and there are downsides to it. Um, the fact is, you are unlikely to want this in a non-green deck. However, you can play it in a non-green deck. There's no requirement that you have a green card or a forest or anything you can just if you you can play it as the first spell of the game in any deck uh but your subsequent copies if you have any in your deck are dead because you can't cast them uh, right you could possibly splash green or something but you just sacrifice um, them to rotting regisaur so <laughs> which, which, oh there you go you just you discard them other uses for it right just uh shuffle it away with jace's brainstorm and a fetch land um, but I, the thing that, uh, about this, so it only finds creatures or lands. And the reason that I was piggybacking off of the adventure mechanic is those are both there. I mean, meaning like not land creatures and lands, but those are, those have spells tacked onto creatures. So if you need to look for a, uh, what is it? Heroic downfall or, right. uh, it, or he, what it, am I, am I? Is, think, is that the name of the card? Heroic, Hero, Hero's Downfall? That's what it is, Hero's Downfall. Anyway, whatever. If you need to kill a Planeswalker or a creature, you need that removal spell. Uh, you use Once Upon a... You can use Once Upon a Time to find a removal spell. It just happens swift to be end. a creature. Yeah, well, it's Swift End on, on there. Right, uh, right. On the adventure. Uh, and, and yeah, the creature is what? Murder, murderous... Murderous Rider. Rider, not Murderous Red Cap. That's a different Murderous That card. is. Very, yes. It's very murderous, but it's not the right Murderous creature. Exactly. So you could use it once upon a time, find a Murderous Rider, and bring a swift end to a, a creature or a Planeswalker. So, like, this is... The adventure mechanic works great with once upon a time, and vice versa. So I, I feel like that's something that is worth paying attention to, because a lot of times you look at this and you go, okay, well, it goes in green creature decks. It's like, well, not necessarily... Uh, you need to, if you want to cast copy number two or cast another spell before this, you need to have access to green mana. So it goes in green decks. But if your creatures also have spell effects tacked onto them, then then this is fine. And I think this is going to work great with the adventure mechanic in standard. Um, I just pre-ordered some, so I am you know on board with this card. But I, I want to put it in amulet in modern um, because that that deck just wants creatures and lands basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so being able to, to more consistently hit the, the creature or land you need is going to be incredible with that deck because so many times you have an opening hand that just is like – it's like two bounce lands and then like and a super explosive draw. And you're like, great, I, I can't play – I just need like a forest or another – like a, a non-bounce land to play on turn one. And you cast once upon a time, dig five cards deep and hopefully find – like a forest or something that you can you can use to play on turn one, and that way your bounce land has a land to return on turn two and all that. So um, I, I think this is 
Amulet is such a powerful deck. The thing that it needs is consistency, and this adds a lot of consistency to to the Amulet deck. And I think it's gonna uh, make a make its biggest impact in Amulet in modern. Yeah, and it's gonna definitely inspire a lot of loose keeps in standard. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That's another thing, though. The London Mulligan, right? Like, so you're like, okay, I'm going to Mulligan to to Once Upon a Time. Oh, I drew two of them. Well, throw one back, right? Like, <laughs> it's like yep. you're not even punished for Mulliganing into it because if you happen to draw multiple copies that's what you get to throw back so i don't know pretty pretty awesome um so uh real quick i'm going to talk about a blue card that i've got on my list because i think the other blue at least one of the other blue cards i have is definitely uh on your list did you have anything else in white i mean i mentioned glass casket earlier just as a great flavor card i mean then it's uh sure i didn't read what it did but it's an artifact uncommon for white and one when it enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls with converted mana cost three or less until glass casket leaves the battlefield. But uh, yeah, so it's removal it, and it's solid removal reminds you of kind of like a baffling end it's, or yeah, a say, silk wrap or whatever. That, baffling end that doesn't give them a dinosaur if it goes away. Yeah. So but I, I love people, it. It's an artifact. So any kind of synergies that you have with artifacts, you know, maybe you're playing Emery, Lurker of the Lock, whatever. Any kind of artifact synergy that you have in Standard or Modern or whatever, uh, you, you can benefit from those. Um, but, I, yeah, I love it. I love the flavor of it. I love the art. That's all. Go ahead. For sure. Um, so the one card I want to talk about in blue before I let you take blue, because I know uh, Vantress Gargoyle. It's a one in a blue. It's a 5-4 flying artifact creature gargoyle. It's a rare um, so this says it can't attack unless defending player has seven or more cards in their graveyard. It can't block unless you have four or more cards in hand. And then it has tap. Each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. So I think this card is a beast. Well, it's a gargoyle. But I think this card is really strong, and I think it's stronger than people are giving it credit for. I mean, it's pre-ordering at three bucks, which feels cheap to me. Um, because, yes, you know, f- creatures that can't attack unless your opponent has something going on kind of suck sometimes. You know, sometimes they're not great. Uh, but graveyards naturally fill up over the course of a game, for one. Um, for two, this has a mechanism on the card itself that helps enable, might be slow, but it helps enable that and get that get them to that condition faster, which I think is relevant. And a 5-4 flyer for two is ridiculous. And it's an artifact, so I don't know what sort of thing can be done with it being an artifact, but there's got to be something. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I kind of just mentioned a card, and it happens to be right next to Vantress Gargoyle on my printout right here. <laughs> but but I this is on my list, too, and probably not surprised. Um, I love this card. I think the only... Uh, the only downside to it is if you're playing sweepers, it's not like something that becomes a creature when X happens. It's like it's always a creature. So if you play a sweeper, it dies. Um, but but it doesn't die if you. Um, uh, I don't. I didn't have the the name of it fast enough. Dang it! Oh dang it! I don't know it. It's on okay. my list. Why don't I just look at my damn list? Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It, does, it doesn't die if you cast Witch's Vengeance. That's on my list um, too, and I thought that's what you were gonna say. But yeah, it, it, it's true. Witch's Vengeance is a sweeper that does not hit gargoyles unless you want it to, and it won't hit this gargoyle or it won't kill this gargoyle, uh, even if you name gargoyle unless you have it has damage on it or something. Uh, right. But look, speaking of gargoyle itself, 
I yes. think it's it's one of my favorite cards in the set. Also, I love the the flavor of it. And okay, so you you look at it and you say, okay, it's a two drop. I play this on turn two, and my opponent doesn't have seven more cards in the graveyard. And okay, it's a five four wall probably because you probably have about four cards in hand at that point. Uh, you may have less, and then you're like, what's the point? But uh, the fact is, like you said, it the graveyard naturally fills up. So early this might be a wall, but it's not going to be a wall for very long. And if you draw it late, like usually you don't want to draw two drop late, but if I draw this on turn five, it's like five, four flying period. That's it. And it also has the exile ability, but you're unlikely to be using that unless your deck is built around. I'm sorry, not exile, the uh, mill, the mill ability. Yeah. Uh, unless your deck is built around that, but essentially, you know, you draw this on turn five, turn six, there is, it, you know, a relatively good likelihood that you're going to have your opponent on seven cards in their graveyard. Uh, right. If your strategy is, if you're playing Vantress Gargoyle anyway, you probably have more cards that are going to mill them a little more. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I, the fact that you can draw your two drop late and it just be a five, four flyer, which is going to allow you to double spell very easily because, you know, you play your five, four and still have open mana to cast absorb or drown in the lock or whatever mm -hmm. other spell instant speed spell you want to cast uh in addition to the gargoyle and you have a five four flyer so i think this is fantastic it's going to see a lot of play um yeah. and uh again the only only reason i feel like it's um it's only downside is really it's going to get hit it's going to get hit by your own sweepers if you're playing this in the style of deck that it might end up going in like a control deck Sure. Um, so you play this on turn two, you play Ashiok on turn three, and then you slap yourself in the face. Um, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, what, what, what I know you got blue stuff. Come on. Okay, so I, I just mentioned it, but Emery, Lurker of the Lock. Um, yes. This is a three-mana, one-two, legendary creature, Merfolk Wizard. It is a rare. It costs a blue and two. Uh, but it costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. That is Affinity for Artifacts. They didn't use the keyword here, but that's affinity for artifacts. <laughs> um, so there you go, right alongside Vantress Gargoyle and Glass Casket. Uh, if you're playing some sort of deck that, that includes other artifacts, you're going to be able to cast Emery for, for one or two mana if you want. Um, when it enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. Not really synergy with Vantress Gargoyle there because you can only target yourself, but self-mill is a thing, and uh, again, you build the deck around it, and it's going to matter. Um, and then you can, it has the, the ability to tap it, choose target artifact in your graveyard, you may cast that card this turn. So essentially tap to draw a card, but you get to choose which card if it's in your graveyard. And it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't have flashback, doesn't get exiled. It's not like, oh, you cast that card and now when it leaves the battlefield, exile it. Like, right. You cast the card and it's there until it's gone and you cast it again with Emery if you want. Um, this is going to be huge, I think, in modern being able to play it with like free uh, free cards like Moxes, I mean this kind of works with Mox Amber as well. Um, but I was thinking like the you know Mox Opal. It, I think people have been talking about it a lot in in the Urza decks, which feels like those Urza decks are uh, like the the Wurza, um, Urza Mill of or War of Invention decks are yeah. are like the best deck in modern right now, and it feels like they keep getting more and more options. It's kind of like humans in modern, where it's just like every set. Why does every set have to have a human? Like, yeah. <laughs> or it's like, why does every set have to have an artifact um, mm. or something that works well with artifacts? And I, I feel like Emery is a card that has so much potential. It's not perfectly clear 
how it's going to work, but I think it's got the most one of the most uh, potentials to be busted in the set, and uh, yeah. that I think that's there are a lot of cards like that. Also, contender for uh, my favorite art in a set. I love that, like Merfolk kind of. Uh, it looks like the Lady of the Lake handing mm-hmm. over Excalibur or whatever. Uh, but I love it. Um, you got something else you want to jump in, or you want me to well, stick with uh, my last blue card? I have one more blue card. I want to talk about Folio Fancies real quick. Um, Folio Fancies is a blue and one. It's an artifact. It's a rare. Players have no maximum hand size. Uh, X, X, and tap. Each player draws X cards. And then a blue and two and tap. Each opponent puts a number of cards, opponent only, uh, equal to the number of cards in their hand from the top of the library into their graveyard. So I just want to play this with Wheel and Deal. I mean, come on. Um, There you go. This is exactly the kind of card that would have made me excited 15 years ago. Um, (laughs) Just play it with uh, Narset. Or something, you know. I mean, I mean play like, with there's Narset. A... They can't draw the cards. You're like, Ooh. both players draw cards. No. Oh, just me. Um... That's pretty good. <laughs> and um, that's in standard, you know. There's like... something to do with this. It's fun. I think, I really feel like I'm going to try to build some sort of uh, mono blue mill deck in standard. B- blue black. Uh, blue black, that's right. You need blue drown black. in the lock. Exactly. Let's talk about it real quick. Yes, this drown, is on my drown, list as well. Drown so in the lock. You got it. Read it. Okay, it's a it. blue. It's a blue and a black instant, uncommon. Choose one counter target spell with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard, or destroy target creature with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. So, um, this card, first of all, it's two mana counter spell or removal. Like, how much more versatile could you get? You know, if there was a third option that said destroy any number of creatures equal to the number of cards, <laughs> that would be the only way to make it better and then tack on draw a card. Um, but, like, the this card is kind of like everything you want a two-mana instant to be. Um, counter something or, or kill something. The only setup required is that you play a deck that, that gets cards in your opponent's graveyard. And the more you do that, the better it is. But, I mean, for, for two-mana, maybe you're not countering anything on turn two. But maybe you are like I, it's somebody could cast fabled passage and then cast a one drop and you're like to counter it. That's not right. ideal in terms of mana scenario. But if you if you need to, you can. And again, you play this in the right deck, like with Vantress Gargoyle and other cards that that want to put cards in your opponent's graveyard. You're going to you're going to have a, a counter spell like it's it's basically just counter spell or mm-hmm. kill anything, anything that doesn't have uh, hexproof, you know. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's really uh, this is this is a strong card, and it's so strong, and it's this set is so incredible that I don't think a lot of people are even seeing how good this one card is. Like this would get so much talk. It like the, I don't know if it were in another set like Ixalan or something. I think people would have been talking about this like crazy, or people get too hung up on the fact that oh, it's like a mill card. And it's like well, kind of, but this stuff happens incidentally and right people you know okay so you want to counter a five drop well by turn five there may be five cards in your opponent's graveyard it's really not that crazy that to to, that they've cast spells and maybe lost some creatures or something Um, and on turn 15 this is strictly better than mana leak there you go (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's the casting cost though it's not strictly better well, because it actually counters it. Like well, it, it, what turn I meant 15, was they've have, got three you, you to pay. Black, you need black mana for Drown in the Lock, so it's not strictly better. Whatever. So, go ahead. <laughs> you, what's your next? 
You you go. Is, is it my blue. turn? Okay. I know you go. You, I have one more one more blue card. Okay. And this one's a. I think it's really interesting, and I'm not even. I feel very hesitant. Like I'm not sure about it. I don't know why I'm not sure about it. Just say Shimmer Dragon. Come on. It's Brazen Borrower. Oh, it's not Shimmer Dragon. No, I don't have Shimmer Dragon on my list. Some people are talking about that. Some people uh, are talking about it. I'm not. I'm talking about okay. Brazen Borrower. It is a three-one creature, fairy rogue. It is a mythic rare, and it costs blue, blue one. So very Vendillian clickish. It has flash. It has flying, and it can uh, block only creatures with flying. So it's it's very similar to Vendillian click, uh, but it has the adventure tech, uh, tacked onto it. Petty theft, a blue and one. It's an instant adventure. Return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. So um, I think I the fact that this is mythic is actually throwing off my evaluation of it. I don't know why. It sounds like that shouldn't matter, but I think it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be mythic. And then I'm think I, I don't I guess it's really I don't know how it's throwing me off, but it just doesn't feel like a mythic effect because you're like okay, I get a disperse, you know, bounce something. And I get a three-one flash flyer. Like these seem like this seems great, and I think that it's. It, I don't know. I can't. I can't explain it. Uh, so I'm going to just skip over that part. Why the mythic rarity is confusing me, but um, for standard, it feels incredible because you you know you get to bounce something and then next turn hold up your mana if you want, and uh, if you don't do anything, just cast your three-one at the end of their turn. Uh, you later in the game, you can just be like. I have five mana. I'll bounce something and play a, a three-one flash flyer at the end of your turn. Um, it feels very, uh, just very versatile. Very, um, just one of those things that a bounce spell. It's never incredible, but it can be. Like, or, or, I'm, I guess it's not. It's not never then. Uh, it usually isn't incredible, but it can be. I think in certain situations when you're bouncing something big and making your opponent pay back you know, recast something, that's a huge tempo thing. And I think having a 3-1 flash flyer tacked onto it is what makes this incredible because you, you build, put this in like a tempo deck where you're like, okay, you, you have your four mana, whatever, I'm going to bounce it. And then I'm going to pay my, play my flyer. And your next turn is spent recasting that four mana spell or, or whatever. Um, and I've now put, now I'm now putting on pressure. And essentially if you, build around this and have a lot of pressure i mean you are able to really take advantage of that tempo and i think i think it's going to see a lot of play in that sense um i feel like i want it to be good in modern but i don't know if it is so maybe that's the other part of this feeling like it feels like it's good but is it good enough is it going to make the cut in modern and is it better than does it go in the slot of vendillion click is it better than vendillion click right that's the question right because like vendillion click is actually sort of um on the outer edges right now meaning like it sometimes makes the cut in the main deck uh more often it'll it'll be in the 75 of a lot of blue white lists sometimes it's in the main deck sometimes it's in the sideboard some decks are saying some people are saying that like we don't really need vendillion click as much anymore because we have force of negation like usually that's what you wanted vendillion click for was to be able to look at their hand and take whatever you know that the turn three karn that they were about to hit um and yeah it's great having the information i'm not you know discounting vendillion click at all like i love the card it's one of my favorite creatures and favorite cards ever um but i can see where it's lost some of its usefulness in a in a metagame where you've got force of negation to to counter those types of spells that normally you would have taken and um and force of negation is is a better card in most cases than vendillion click um 
and I, so is it better than Vendillion Click? I don't know. And even if it is, or even if it's as good as Vendillion Click, I don't even know if it makes a cut because it's just you need to put it in a deck that's going to put on a lot of pressure. So I feel like this isn't this doesn't fit in like a control deck. It fits more in like a tempo deck um, that has more creatures, like a more of a mid range deck, and. Um, I think that's kind of like where you'd want it. I don't know. I mean, it could see modern play. It does feel generically good, generically powerful, but I'm just not sure about it uh, in modern. But I think it's going to see play in standard. And I wish it, if it weren't pre-ordering for like 20 bucks or 15 bucks, I would have probably pre-ordered it. Um, right. But I'm, I'm not that confident in it at all to, to sure. drop 15 bucks on it and, you know, 60 bucks on a play set. Like that's just right. not, I'm nowhere near that confident in it. For sure. Uh, how do you feel about Mystical Dispute? Okay, read that one to me because I'm trying to remember. Mystical Dispute is a blue and two. It's an instant. It's an uncommon. It costs two less to cast if it targets a blue spell. Counter target spell unless its controller pays three. What do you think about that? Because me and uh, me and Ryan were talking about this the other day, and I actually feel like this card's really good um, because... Like I feel like so many people are going to be playing Teferi. We've established at this point that Teferi's not going to get banned because uh, the course at 2021 is based around Teferi, and they're not going to ban it. So uh, we, uh, we are living in a Teferi world, and um, it's Teferi land. And um, I think Mystical Dispute's going to be really good in that, in that land because this counters Teferi you know, for one mana. Um, I'm surprised you didn't you didn't drop the Teferi Tales joke, but um, oh my god! Did you miss it, man? I just have I to use it for the so title hard. of the episode, Teferi Tales. I was just thinking. I was actually just thinking of the movie Breakfast of Champions. Um, it's the Kurt Vonnegut said, book, right? Yes, which is why I said Teferi Land. But anyway, um, it's anyway. Uh, so <laughs> so no, I think this is a good this is a good card. Like like you said, I think you made a good case for it already. Just mentioning how much like. Yeah, Teferi is going to see play, so you're going to be able to cast this. It counters for, Thought Erasure. Right, yeah, for, for a mana. Like, that's that's true, too. Like, yeah, I, I hadn't really given it a whole lot of thought because I was thinking, oh, it's a three-mana counterspell that situationally can be cheaper. But now that I think about it, like, there are going to be a lot of blue spells, I think, in standard that you can counter. Um, and it's, yeah. it's pay three, right? So it's mana leak. It's uh, mana leak, It's right. mana leak's effect once it's once it's on the stack. Um, right. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think this definitely sees play. There are a lot of like three mana counters in standard though, right now. So I think it's hard to figure out what's going to make the cut. Um, I think this one's probably the best one. Um, that is an absorb, you know, because it can, because it has the potential to be cheaper. Right. You know, and we don't know if absorbs even going to be good because we don't know if like aggro is going to be good. Yeah. You know, um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not super confident on absorb, but I feel like this card's just going to be good because it, like, again, you know, it can counter a red decks three drop on turn three, you know, like yeah. if you're on the play, um, it's interesting too, though. It's like, it's good against Teferi if he hasn't been cast yet, but once he's on board, these counter spells are all terrible, you know, like exactly. it's, it's not like destroy a blue permanent. It's not like a, you know, red elemental blast or something, but, but that's why, but, but that's why having this card in your deck. And being able to keep Teferi off the board sure. is probably decent. Of course, Dovin's veto does that too. Yeah, maybe um, you just maybe you sideboard this just against 
against because really what you want is to be casting it for one and you don't want to be casting it for three uh but right. you could do it if you have to so i could see this as a good sideboard card against any and the, blue they'll be bringing it in too you gotta remember sure. that's gonna turn into mental misstep wars and standard all over i mean again. yeah but if they can't tap out for teferi on turn three and you know that's good enough right like they they have to that worry if you have into an open blue mana they can't tap out for it because dovin's veto doesn't work for no mana and neither does this card uh so it's still it's still relevant. Yeah, you're, you're going to have people. It's not mental misstep because you can't cast it for free. Right. Um, uh, so real quick, I'm going to go into the haste section. Go for it. Um, so uh, we're talking about black, of course, because all the haste creatures are in black. We've got Clack uh, Bridge Troll. Okay, that was um, on my list too. It's uh, two black and three. It's an eight eight trample haste. It's a rare. It's a troll. It's weird. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent creates 301 white goat tokens. Beginning of combat on your turn, any opponent may sacrifice a creature. If a player does, tap, clack, bridge, troll. You gain three life, and you draw a card. So um, it has haste, Mm -hmm. so they have to sacrifice one as soon as it hits the board, Right. um, which is pretty good. So you gain three, you draw a card. Then next turn, you could play a sweeper. You know, this isn't a giant, so you can't play the five mana sweeper, but you can play like uh, um, the one, the witch's vengeance, which mm-hmm. I guess I'll read. Two black and one sorcery creatures of the type of your choice get minus three, minus three to end the turn. Um, so you can play that, and this survives, and it clears out all their goats, and then they have to sacrifice something of actual value. Um, of course, you have to name goat. Yeah. So that would be kind of weird. But anyway, there are sweepers. You can do something. You can right. do it. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and I just really, real quick, I just want to talk about one other thing because it also has haste and it's in black. Rankle Master of Pranks. Yes, also on my list. Two black and two. It's a 3 3 uh, legendary fairy rogue mythic rare. Flying in haste. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, choose any number. Does that mean you get to. Wait, so they can you can do all of these? Uh, yes. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that. I thought it was choose one. Holy crap! <laughs> right. No, you can choose so any, each... all of them or none of them if you want. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Each player discards a card. Each player loses one life and draws a card. Each player sacrifices a creature. So first of all, when did black become the haste color? Um, it's a good question. Throwing me off. <laughs> yeah. um, and second of all. Um, both these cards are pretty sweet, and I just kind of wanted – I mostly wanted to bring them up because of the haste mm-hmm. um, because I thought it was weird. Uh, what did you have to say about these? Um, I just – I think they're both really fun-looking cards, and Clackbait Bridge Troll is something that like – I just – I love the flavor of it, and I love that it, it could be really powerful. Obviously, it's probably not as likely to see play unless there's some kind of weird combo that I'm not thinking of, but just in a vacuum – uh, I don't think it's strong enough to to cast because unless you can sweep the goats or something like you said, uh, which is kind of a weird combo. You know, you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this five drop, and then okay, they it, it does it draws me a card, and I gain three life, and then the next turn I have to cast a witch's vengeance if I want to get through with it, or I'm gonna draw a card. It's like a five drop that's gonna draw you a card, gain you a life three three turns in a row. It feels slow. You know what I mean? Because unless you sweep the goats, that's all it's doing. And and then eventually it's going to do something. But it's like a weird – it's like an 8-8 trample on suspend 3 or something. You know, like that's – Yeah. That's kind of like where it is. But it does draw you a card and, and gain you life. So like that's not bad. I guess you could – it could be like a sideboard card or something uh, if 
you know, if you want something against mono red because you, you're like, okay, either get rid of one of your creatures or let me gain three life. You know, like that's that's great against a, an aggressive deck that you need to gain life against. But um, but you do, you know, you need to get to five mana. <laughs> so hopefully right. you're there. Um, at that point in the game, it might not. Uh, it might be a little too late, but uh, but it is standard. You know, I, I, it's it's not going to see play outside of standard. I don't think. Um, no. But no, no, no. Play with this with Plague Engineer. You're like Plague Engineer on three. Name Goat. <laughs> Clack Ridge Troll on five. Yeah, well, then you, or, or in standard, you just fling it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's going to be my answer to everything: is just fling it for the this next. This creature's like, bad because it dies to removal. Ah, just fling it. There right. you go. Um, Wrangle, I love. I love this card. I love the design of this card. I think it's really hard to evaluate, but it is. I think somebody was it uh, Paulo Vitor Domino Rosa. I think called it a planeswalker, but he might not be the only one that's called it a planeswalker. But uh, yeah, you're like you're getting to choose one ability, choose two of these, choose all three. The thing is, it's symmetrical. Like each player discarding right. or each player losing a life and drawing a card, each player sacrificing a creature. Uh, yeah, but the reason you play Wrangle is you play a deck that can. Uh, it either mitigates the fact that it's that it's symmetrical or takes advantage of the fact that it's symmetrical. Um, if you're like, oh, I've got Narset, you don't get to draw a card. I mean, although you are connecting with with Rankle on your turn, so maybe they do get to draw a card because that's they their one do. card per turn. Like, I mean, they yeah. would unless they draw something else. So uh, that, that's that's not going to work great with Narset in that sense. Um, but uh, any kind of way to mitigate the the downside of, or the, the, what is it? The symmetry. Um, I think you look at like Liliana, the veil and that's, you know, tick up each player, discards a card. That card's unplayable, right? Like nobody plays Liliana, the veil, right? That's, it's not, that's not a card that's all a ton of play in standard or modern, right? Or legacy even. Um, this isn't Liliana, but I mean, that's a good example of a similar ability. And again, like Mike said about the castle lock, nobody says you have to do it. You get to choose. You get to choose right. whether all those happen or none of those happen. And you might just be like, right now, I just need a flying haste. Uh, three, three. I'm just going to get in and that's it. Um, so I, I just think the versatility here is the, the, the theme of the set just seems to be versatility. It's just you can right. use so many of these, car- these cards in so many different ways. And I think that might be a nod to something like Arena, best of one, because all these cards can do so many different things. And um, aren't like super narrow and need to be like sided out or sided in in best of three. So uh, it's kind of an interesting, um, interesting design change, I think, for, for a lot of sets or compared yeah. to a lot of sets. Um, what's next? So you read Witch, Witch's Vengeance. We talked about Murderous Rider, I think, last weekend uh, or la- last episode. And today we've already mentioned it. Wishclaw Talisman. Uh, it's crazy that this isn't getting more talk, but it's a it's a black and one artifact rare. Enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it. Um, pay one, tap it, remove a wish counter from it, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. An opponent gains control of Wishclaw Talisman. Activate this ability only during your turn. So you have a sorcery speed pseudo-demonic tutor. Um, you don't need to reveal the card. You just have to give this talisman to your opponent. Um which they can only activate during their turn because now it's in their control. And so the fact that it goes over to them tapped shouldn't matter because then they get to untap on their turn. But um, (laughs) the combo that I saw, and I I retweeted it, and I know you saw it too, was this with Teferi because you you search up little Teferi, play that, and then bounce the talisman 
back to your own hand because you control or you own the card. So when you bounce the, it goes over to your opponent and then you just bounce it with Teferi and you get to keep the, the talisman and draw a card. They never get to activate the, uh, the ability, tutor ability, but, um, that's in Esper colors. Do we have the mana for that? <laughs> That's the question. I think I so. Have. I think so. It's possible because we have the because we have the temple, the right, black, black white, white temple. Yep. We have um, all the fetches, and um, and then we have the um, you know the fabled passage. Right. So we definitely have the mana for it. I it's, think I think Esper is going to be fine and yeah. too too extremely good, if not the best deck in standard. It could be. It is one of the best right now, still. So uh, and it's going to lose a lot, but I think it's gaining a lot too. But I, I just think it's crazy. We're getting like a demonic tutor in standard, essentially, and mm-hmm. uh, I feel like somebody's going to something's going to happen with this card. Somebody's going to break it. Um, yeah. All right, your turn. So I'm I'm going to do the actual haste section. Oh, okay. Uh, I was joking about it being the, the black um, haste section. The yeah. black because like what the hell? Like wh- why is everything black have haste? Um so I'm going to literally just run through a whole bunch of red cards real quick just to okay. do it. Uh so Bone Crusher Giant cuz he yep. ain't never scared. Um any of y'all remember Bone Crusher you're old. Um Stomp is his adventure. It's one in a red. It's an instant. Damage can't be prevented this turn. Stomp deals two damage to any target. So it's not just like a skull crack. Right. Uh, they can't gain. I mean, they can still gain life from this. So remember that. Right. It but, doesn't um, prevent life gain. Right. And then it's a 4 3 for 3. Uh, whenever it becomes a target of a spell, Bone Crusher Giant deals 2 damage to that spell's controller. So just a really powerful creature. Um, again, I'm going to keep going here. Uh, Fervent, uh, Fervent Champion is. Real quick, you know, um, let me, because I'm like, should I wait to say something about Bone Crusher or not? Just, say it. Just to point out, like, I was just listening to Top Level Podcast uh, a little while ago, and like Chapin was saying, this could see play all the way back to vintage Bone Crusher Giant. Um, the question being, is it going to see play in modern? He's like, uh, probably, and possibly Legacy. And even though vintage is weird, you know, there's a possibility of it seeing play in vintage. But just generally, like this card could see a lot of eternal play, um, and and the the play pattern that it that it in, like encourages. Um, you're sitting there on two mana. Nobody can play like uh, if you're what, do you, what is what happens if your opponent plays a creature that has uh, uh, like two toughness like, OK, I, I was just going to play this on three anyway. Thanks. <laughs> I'll kill your creature, then play this on three. And, you know, it's kind of like you have a removal spell or you could just play it on turn three without the removal spell. It's kind of like you get the option to kill something beforehand and then still ca- cast your four three like I, nobody can play anything that has two toughness when they're playing against a red deck because they can just, it's just going to eat a bone crusher giant. And then the giant's going to come into play the next turn anyway. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. It just, it feels incredibly good. And then when it eats a removal spell, it also shocks them, you know, like that's so good. Possibly best card, best rare in the set. Possibly. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's a contender. It's really good. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be just an automatic four of in in any red deck, so um, or at least any mono red for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so next we've got a fervent champion. It's one red human knight. First strike haste rare one one. Whenever it attacks, another target attacking knight you control gets plus one plus zero oh until end of turn. So it doesn't attack for two on turn one. Uh, equip abilities you activate the target fervent fervent 
That's why I was pronouncing it weird. Uh, champion cost three less to activate. So my question on this is, is there any good equipment in standard to break this with? I don't know. That's a rhetorical question. We'll do some digging in a little bit and see what we can come up with there. Yeah. Um, Love the design. Fling is reprinted. So yay, my thud deck doesn't quite die. And it's an instant. So fling, you all know, know what fling does. It's a red and one. It's instant. Sacrifice a creature. Damage equal to the sacrifice creature's power to any target. Um, so my uh, Dreadhorde Butcher deck lives. Um, I actually just want to... I'm going to be brewing some sort of crazy Mardu um, fling deck that runs uh, Dreadhorde Butcher, Dreadhorde Arcanist, uh, Feather righteousness <laughs> and fling because I'm crazy. I'm doing it. Um, Don't fling Iron- your bone crusher giant unless you're prepared to take two, by the way. That's right. Um, but I'm also, but I'm also thinking about uh, the seven, six, um, the zombie dinosaur. R- riding um, Regisaur. Yeah. Riding Regisaur. Um, it goes right in that <laughs> deck. Yeah. You're discarding, yep. you discard something that you get back with the Arcanist, right? So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just fling it for seven. Who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, Iron Crag Feet is three red and one. It's a sorcery. Add seven red mana. You can cast only one more spell this turn. Uh, so let's all cast Dracoseth with this. Let's all cast six mana Chandra with this. Um, it does nothing. Um, like, Electrodominance doesn't do anything extra. Electrodominance doesn't let you cheat with this. So, like, if you use the seven mana to cast Electrodominance for five, you don't get to cast the extra spell because you're casting that spell. Right. Uh, but you can copy this while it's on the stack. Um, and because both spells have already been cast, so you can use um, whatever you call it, uh, expansion, mm-hmm. to copy this while it's on the stack. You need six mana to do that, but then you have 14 mana to play with, um, and then you can cast Electro Dominance for 12, and who cares if you get to cast an extra spell off it, right? <laughs> wow. um, yeah, okay, so I see. So it's on the stack, so you don't have that restriction yet, so then you cast your expansion, right, to copy it. Right, exactly. Okay. Wow, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so another... Uh, card you can cast from this set with that is Sundering Stroke. Uh, this isn't a very good card, but I'm going to read it anyway. It's a red and six. It's a sorcery. It's a rare. It deals seven damage divided as you choose among one, two, or three targets. If at least seven red mana was spent to cast it, it deals seven damage to each of those permanents and or players. So uh, that's another possibility with that card. Um, I think Kenny said it best about Iron Craig Pyromancer. I still like it, mm-hmm. but they did realize that Narset was in this uh, was in standard when they printed all these when you draw your second card each turn cards, right? They right. kind of just feel like, hey, hey, yeah, right. You're never going to cast the second card because everybody runs Narset. Um, but whenever you draw your second card each turn, Iron Crag Pyromancer deals three damage to any target. It's a zero four for three. I think that's a really interesting card. Yeah, it is. Um, but again, it needs to be, um, you know. Uh, you need to not have a narset against you. Um, why did I write down robber of the rich? Oh, I just said I I don't quite understand it. <laughs> you don't quite understand robber of the rich. 
so I need to see how the actual mechanics of this work on Arena. Mm-hmm. So Rob oh, right. the Rich is one in a red. It's a human, archer, rogue, wizard, zombie, ninja, pirate. It's a 2-2 reach haste. Whenever Robber of the Rich attacks, it's a mythic rare, by the way. If defending player has more cards in hand than you, exile the top card of their library. During any turn you attacked with a rogue, you may cast that card and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. So does Robber of the Rich need to be on the battlefield or not? I know it can be any rogue, but like, you know, so if you attack with a rogue, does that card activate? Even if Robert the Rich isn't there, I don't know. Like I said, I need to like craft this and cast it and then use it on Arena to know how it works. I so, think it's going to be, I think it, Robert of the Rich doesn't need to be there. I think it's kind of like, I think Thief of Sanity works that way too, where it's like you can cast that card for the rest of the game. Even whether if, or not even the if thief, thief is, leaves. Yeah, even if the thief is gone. It's kind of like that's the whole effect. Like it triggers mm. whenever it attacks, this whole thing triggers. If they have more cards. Then you exile the top card, and then you can use that card any turn you attack with a rogue. Like it's, that's like a, that's the effect that comes with the the attack. So, um, it's it's a lot like a red thief of sanity. I think it's incredible. It's on my list too. I just think it's really fun. Like it, it's a two two for two, but it's haste. So you mm-hmm. immediately get to to attack with it and essentially draw a card. Now you're not likely to cast that card because you don't have mana, uh, but. Um, but it's still gonna you know you get to exile the, the top card of their library and take it and if it's a land you can't play it because this is cast so you can't cast land so you don't get the benefit of of getting to play extra lands um or play your opponent's lands but if it's a spell it just sits there and is available to you anytime you attack with a rogue so hopefully you have other rogues in your deck potentially uh fairy rogues like brazen borrower maybe i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> although yeah you obviously want this in a deck where you're emptying your hand too right um Seven dwarves, one in a red. I'm going haste. Seven dwarves, one in a red. It's a two-two. Doesn't have haste. It's a dwarf. It's common. It gets plus one plus one for each other creature named seven dwarves you control. A deck can have up to seven cards named seven dwarves. I kind of like this um, because this card kind of sucks by itself. You would need to draw two. If you have seven in your deck, you have a better chance of drawing two. Would you run a three-three for two in your deck? Probably. So I feel like this is good. It only gets better if there are more of them. And then if you have Torbrand, Thane of the Red Fell in your deck, first of all, you're playing Dwarf Tribal and good on you. Right on. Uh, but second of all, <laughs> um, it gets a lot better. So uh, the Torbrand is three red and one. It's a two four Dwarf Noble. It's a rare. If a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus two instead. That counts for your spells. That counts for your seven dwarves. Yeah, so yeah. people attacking you know anything any red source that deals damage including this so this attacks for four yes uh this Uh -uh. card and you you finished about this card and let me do you let me that's it that's all i got is uh i just wrote possibly next to it so (laughs) i think you know i I like i like it with seven dwarves i'm kind of starting to get uh, a very vorthosy sort of deck in my head that i feel like building um i don't think I'd play this with the Seven Dwarves, although I like where you're thinking, just because it's fun. But yes. this card, Torbrun Thane of Redfell, uh, first of all, it reminds me of Furnace of Wrath, which I loved back in like 1997. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, giving like this feels deceptively powerful to me. And this card actually is probably going to be the first deck I build around on Arena on Standard because nice. I love it. And I'm going to spend all my rare rare wild cards on Torbrins and Bonecrusher Giants, and I'm not going to have anything left to play a control deck in Standard. Um, but it just seems like 
I really love the idea. I, there's still part of me that really likes burn, like just super aggressive burn. And yes. I want to play mono red. Um, and I think it's going to be a deck in standard. And I think the fact that you can play this on four and all of anything you had on board already is now going to deal an extra two damage. Um, right. unless they can immediately deal with, with this, it's gonna, that's going to be a lot of damage. Like right. think about, you know, the first three turns of a red deck already in standard now. Now I know we're going to lose some things, but it, we're not losing everything. And I think that that, that's important to kind of realize like this is, this is going to represent a ton of damage. And yeah, maybe I play four of these and okay, you kill the first one, land the, the next one. Like if they don't deal with it right away and you can deal any amount of damage, you've already dealt two plus that amount of damage. Um, right. Free shocks everywhere is, is kind of like an insane just an insane proposition. And and the thing that I wanted to talk about um, that makes me feel even more confident in this, and it's kind of a weird way of thinking about it, but food tokens. Food tokens give so many decks the ability to just gain life. And I feel like that wouldn't be – like they want to balance a set. And so I feel like that wouldn't be there if red weren't really strong. You know what I'm saying? Like they would not yeah. be putting all these – like basically all these food tokens as just like a theme of the set in a big standard set uh, into the into the format if red wasn't if it if it almost like wasn't necessary you know because but every card incidentally gained life in War of the Spark too so maybe they just hate red decks I mean I, I'm kind of in that is, conspiracy theory mindset but it's possible but you uh, like it's possible they could have looked at things and gone red is always the best deck in standard at the beginning and it always feels like it's a factor maybe let's power it down a little bit and so let's just make everybody have you know, every food token gain three life, you know, let's do that. Uh, it's possible, but I, I kind of like to think that they, maybe they like that red is just a constant presence in the metagame. It's, it's an accessible deck. It's straightforward, you know, in a lot of ways, like it's, it's a great deck for new players because they really, they can kill you. They can win games just because their deck is so much more consistent than yours. Um, and I think they want those kinds of decks available to new players. So mono red being good, is a good thing, I think, for the game. Uh, how about this? Standard. How about this? Turn one, uh, turn one, fervent champion. Turn yeah. two, mask of immolation. Turn three, uh, fervent champion, fervent champion, or maybe fervent champion, mask of immolation. Sure, why not? Um, and then play this guy on turn four, and then you sacrifice the two elementals, deal three damage each, and then you attack with the all the. Oh, you attack with all your creatures, then you sacrifice the the two elementals, then you equip the other two for free, you sacrifice those, deal three more, so you've dealt like 12, 13, 14, 16 damage on turn four. That's not counting if you attack with everything. Yeah, I'm um, going to trust you, because that was quite a <laughs> quite a line. I didn't, I don't remember what the mask does, but it, what is it? Mask Revelations, one in a red. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you get a 1-1 one, one elemental token and attach it, okay. and it has sacrifices, creature deals one damage, any okay, target, equip two. So equipped for free for Fervent Champions. <laughs> right. So you have two elementals, two Fervent Champions, um, and then you could just sack, 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 sack. Um, I don't would, think that's actually is, good. But is mask an uncommon? It is an uncommon. Okay, thank God, because I'm gonna have to spend all these uh, wild cards <laughs> on on red wild cards, and I'm not gonna have enough for fabled passage. Um, I've had masks for a while <laughs> on my. Uh, um, uh, I have them in paper too, even though I haven't played them once in paper. But uh, um, okay, so I just ran through all the red cards yep. ever. Um, I don't have much else on my list. Okay. So, um, I mean, I, what I else you got? I've got some thing. I mean, we, 
Wicked Wolf. I'm going to talk about this real quick. Okay. It's it's cool. a three three for four. It's a rare. It's green green and two. Uh, creature Wolf. When it enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. Uh, sacrifice a food. Put a plus one plus one counter on Wicked Wolf. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Tap it. Um, I feel like uh, I just this is something I noticed. I don't think anybody's pointing out the fact that you can respond to his fight trigger by sacrificing a food and making it a four four indestructible. You know, like. Some it's, people have said that. Okay, I I've haven't heard, seen I've heard some people talk about that. It's, it's not getting a ton of talk anyway, but just the fact that you're like, it's a four four. So anything with an X four, uh, any, any X four is going to die to it, and you can keep the wolf because it's indestructible. Um, I don't know. That feels sort of relevant. I don't know that the card it, is good, but the the other thing is it doesn't have haste. So the fact that it's going to tap the turn you play it, like who cares? You know, if you're playing mono green. And your fourth land is gingerbread cabin. You get a food. So okay, so there's some a, synergy. Yeah. Now I mean, so maybe there is some synergy. These are some limited effects still. Like you know, we're going into the pre-release of you open Wicked Wolf. Just know that you can respond to the fight trigger and make your wolf indestructible uh, if you want to kill something and, and the wolf right. live through it. Um, so uh, and you could also if if you know maybe you um, you target an X three and they have a pump spell and then you're like okay well. I'm going to sacrifice the food in response and make, you know, you can do that. It's just something that I felt like nobody was saying, but maybe people were saying it and I wasn't seeing it. Um, Gilded Goose replaces Llanowar Elves in the rare slot yes. instead of whatever uncommon or common it was. That's so you can pay 10 bucks each to draw it on turn two. Yes. Because <laughs> um, that's like, my experience with Llanowar Elves last standard. Yeah. Was my, I look at my seven, I go, oh, I guess I got a Paradise uh, Druid and yeah. then I draw land or elf and i'm like you mm, used to be so good to me man what happened but um anyway yeah it's a cool card and yes and you get a and you can make food with it um you could have been making foods uh all the while leading up to casting the wolf you know sure um, yeah. other food uh, bonuses and Oko gets that too. So I mean, we didn't talk much about, uh, we never talked about any of the planeswalkers and I did mention Oko is like my favorite, but I, I like the, the design of Oko thief of crowns. It's a three mana planeswalker, blue, green, one four loyalty, uh, mythic rare, of course, plus two, create a food token plus one target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness. Three, three minus five exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. Um, I, I don't know. Something about this calls out to me. I like it. I like the, the, the ability to just plus up to six and create a food token. Um, any aggressive deck is going to have a lot of trouble with this, right? So now I've got a six loyalty planeswalker and something that's going to gain me three life. If you don't have a way to deal with Oko right away, I might just sit here and keep creating food tokens against your aggressive deck. How far behind does that get you, you know? Um, or you can right away, you can minus five on the second turn. Sure. And swap that food token for their best creature. Sure, yeah, you, you, have, you have that option as well. Like, um, And then, of course, if you're able to make any anything into a 3-3, three, three, uh, you know, anything bigger than a 3-3 three, three turning into a 3-3 three, three is, is an upgrade, you know, assuming it's your opponent's creature. <laughs> but you can right. also make your food token into a 3-3. Three, three. Um, which is really yep. weird. It's like the, it's like a dead elk for food that you raise from the dead. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but I love it. I, I feel like it's a really cool, cool card. And I think it's great against any kind of aggressive strategy to just sit there and create food tokens, um, and, and make them deal with your, your planeswalker. Meanwhile, you just have all these ways to just keep gaining three life, uh, when, whenever you basically have the mana and, and you want to. So, um, 
I think it's powerful. Uh, one last card, and I, I should have talked about it early on with the lands, but Mystic Sanctuary is the blue land in that cycle with, yes. uh, what was it, Witch's Cottage. So a couple episodes right. ago, I talked about Witch's Cottage being the card that I was excited about because I was excited to see a whole cycle. Uh, the blue one is awesome. It's basically, um, it's a common, it's a land island. Uh, enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other islands. So that's a steeper cost than the the rare land cycle, the castle cycle. But uh, right. but it's still totally doable. Um, and when it enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library. So um, I think this is a little bit harder to evaluate in the fact that like the opportunity cost is a little steeper because you re- you have to have the three islands to get the effect otherwise you're playing an island tapped that's you're playing a crappy island, very right. crappy island so you definitely want this to come into play untapped however fetch lands it's fetchable it's an island so i i see this as a possibility as a one of in modern in like blue white control again that's how i evaluate cards because i love that deck. but being able to essentially fetch up a snapcaster Seems like a, a playable effect. So I'm going to play it. I'm going to try it. I think it's valuable. Um, you know, it's not exactly Snapcaster, but you, you're fetching it up and you're getting this card back for zero mana. Um, essentially, you just wait. You have the opportunity to... You, you play it as a one-of. You hopefully don't draw it anyway. Um, right. When you, and if you draw it and you need to play it, that's when it's really bad. The point is that you want to fetch it up when you're ready for it and uh, and get whatever spell back. I just think that's kind of cool like i don't know i think it's a useful card being able to uh recycle cryptic commands seems pretty good and i think somebody pointed out and i man i wish i remembered his name uh but i did retweet it but uh you can if you have two cryptic commands in this you cast cryptic and bounce the mystic sanctuary and replay it and get back second copy of cryptic <laughs> so basically you loop cryptic command every turn you can cast cryptic command every turn if you have two copies because you just bounce the sanctuary and replay it and then put, yep. put the cryptic command back on top, and then you draw a cryptic command, cast it, and bounce sanctuary. You know what I mean? Like you counter counter something, bounce sanctuary, or whatever. Tap your team, bounce sanctuary, replay sanctuary, get cryptic back on top. You know, it's just it's kind of insane. Um, that's a very uh, magical Christmas land situation, but it's possible. So um, um, I, I, have, I have one more card I want to talk about, just real quick. Sure. Stormfist Crusader, because we've talked about this a little bit yep. in uh, in Discord. It's a red and a black. It's a 2-2. Human Knight, it's a rare. It's Menace. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player draws a card and loses one life. So I used to love Howling Mine back in the day. Everybody told me Howling Mine was bad because it was symmetrical. I didn't care. Um, but there are ways to make this not symmetrical. For one, this isn't Howling Mine because Howling Mine, they would get the card on their turn, so they would actually get the effect first and be able to take advantage of having that extra draw. Where... Uh, this only happens on your upkeep, so you both draw a card. They have an extra card, but if they're running, like, aggro deck, you have an advantage because you have two extra cards. And uh, you both lose a life, which turns on your spectacle, and or it triggers spectacle for you, rather. It doesn't trigger it for them because spectacle cards, I think, are almost all of them are sorcery speed. So um, if you're running spectacle, you could run this. It might also have a home in knights, but again, I'm not even thinking about it in terms of knights. I'm just thinking about it in terms of uh, spectacle costs and um, and trying to take advantage of this. And it's Menace, so you know it has some evasion. Yep. I think it's a really cool card. I think I it's it. uh, – I'm going to definitely play it. Yeah, so I can't wait we'll to see what, see happens. what you end up coming up with because I think it's, I think it's awesome too. Yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, again, we've been going way over time. I didn't even realize how long we've been recording, but um, hope you all enjoyed our – 
way too long episode of uh, Throne of Eldraine favorites and notable cards. Um, pre-releases this weekend and obviously uh, releases on Arena and Moto this weekend as well. I think on Thursday, in fact. Thursday. So y- y'all can start playing standard right away with these cards on Thursday. So uh, hope to uh, hope everybody jumps on there and has a ton of fun. And um, next episode, we'll be back. Uh, we may not be on the exact same schedule just because I'm out of town. I think we're Skipping a week, so I think you're yeah. not going to get another episode from us for three weeks. Yeah, so we'll be Joy to, will be out of town. Right, we'll be able to talk a lot about uh, whatever, however, standard starts to shape up with Throne of Eldraine, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm going to have to shape up with standard too, because uh, well, first of all, we're both playing in paper pre-releases this weekend, which is pretty cool. So we'll at least talk about that five ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going to. I already paid my entry fee, so I'm committed to going to play the standard uh, PTQ, which we can call them that again, and I'm very happy with that. Uh, playing the Common Ground Games PTQ on November second. So the episode after our next episode will be me talking about that. So. We'll be able to talk about where I'm at with Standard, where Standard is at, and try to figure out what I'm going to play for that. <laughs> so Sounds good. Should be a good time. Awesome. All right. Well, until next time, we're Yo MTG Taps. Get your fable passages. Mm-hmm.